Welcome to the Park Church Sermon Podcast. This is the audio portion of our weekly sermon. For more resources, check the show notes or visit www.parkchurchdsm.com. We'd also like to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, Inside the Park, where we take Sunday to the weekday. Available everywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's awesome to be with you today, Park Church. My name is Josh, and just a little bit about myself, me and my lovely wife, Laura, we live on the east side with our four kids, Josiah, Hosanna, uh, Blessing, and Jillian. And I want you to know that I'm a guy that grew up in church. I was saved at seven years old. Mom made sure that me and my brother, Corey, were in church every single Sunday. And after I got saved at seven and baptized, not a ton changed after that until high school and into college, when I began to notice that I was living a lot like a Pharisee, if you will. In other words, what, how I was living with my relationship with God is I would go to church on Sunday, and I'd go to youth groups, maybe even two youth groups on Wednesday, and it was like I was putting currency into a vending machine, right? Like God's the vending machine. I'm saying, God, I'll give you my Sunday, and I'll give you my Wednesday, and you've got to give me something back. Can you relate to that at all? That's a very sad and sorry way to live with God. That's not the way God designed us to live with him. But that's the way I lived with God for years, like, like he was a vending machine. I give him a few days a week, and he's supposed to give me what I want out. I lived like that until God broke me of that way of living in, in college, where God did a lot of heavy lifting in my life in college, and he, he uh, helped me walk with Jesus very closely, and ever since then, that's been my aim, is to walk with Jesus closely. And along this journey, I've had some bouts with what you would call practical atheism. Now, atheism is a belief that there is no God, right? And my Christian life has been trying to walk with Jesus. Of course I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. But there are times when I live like I don't, when I live like it's all up to me. And then God broke me of that. <laughs> and th- though I still struggle with it, there's a year that stands out in my mind that he really broke me of this practical atheism idea, if you will. And it's a year that's famous to all of us. The year 2020, <laughs> right? Oh, 2020, right? Now, I was going through 2020, and I was thinking, you know what? I'm basically unscathed in this. 2020 for me looked like snacks, jammies, and working at home. And when I say that, I mean eating snacks in my jammies as I work at home, right? And then God allowed a trial, some distress, some affliction to come into my life that was extremely painful. The kind of affliction that affected my life and my family in just about every way. An affliction that made me feel dead inside, destroyed, like an outcast. And this kind of affliction, it was the kind that gnaws at the back of your head at all times. It brought the deepest of sadness and even literal pain. The kind that steals your sleep at night. And when you do sleep, it's nightmares. The kind that steals your appetite and leaves little to be enjoyed. And you know what I got the next year in 2021? Another affliction like that one. And I want you to know that though that was distress and a trial, hearing God's word 
it gave me hope. In Romans chapter 5, which we're about to go through today, these verses gave me hope. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you have a trial. You've experienced a trial. You know someone in a similar trial. Maybe there's affliction looming in your mind. And let's face it, sometimes things just happen to us like this that are this painful. Sometimes it's because of our actions, and sometimes it's both. Now, I'm not here to commiserate about the worst of afflictions. But what I am here to do is to proclaim the word of God that gives you and me the hope to get up and get living again when trials and afflictions come our way. This hope is right here. Let's pray and let's read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 together. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you how it lights our path. And even in the worst of afflictions, God, even in the deepest of trials, your word gives us hope. God, may we never believe that if we're afflicted, we don't have hope. Please orient our minds today to your word and help us to know that we can have hope in affliction. God, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and we pray for us here that you would help us to bring you glory in everything we say or do. God, change us today by your word. Temper us by your word. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 with me. Here in Romans chapter 5, Verses 1 through 5, God says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We can have hope in affliction. That brings me to my first point today, which is our position of hope. If we're going to know and believe and practice that we have hope in afflictions, we have to know our position in hope, verses 1 and 2. Now, verse 1 opens up with the therefore, and we have to understand why the therefore is therefore, right? This truth about faith and justification is told by example of an individual named Abraham in chapter 4. And just as Abraham was justified, meaning declared righteous before God, so are we. Since we have been justified by faith, we believe in the word of God for salvation in the gospel. Faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for forgiveness of our sins. That's justification. That's the wonderful blessing we have in Christ. We have peace, these verses say, in Christ. There's no longer a barrier between us and God. Positionally, we have peace. The Bible is saying you have peace with God. It's promising you that. Now, it doesn't always promise you're going to have peace in life, right? It doesn't always promise you that you're going to have peace with people. But you can know. You can lay your head on your pillow at night and sleep well because you know you have peace with God. Amen. And this is through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. We, as a believer, when we believe on the, on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we go from not being a child of God to being a child of God. We go from being not saved to being saved. We go from being outside of the family of God to being inside the family of God. And that's a very wonderful thing. It makes me think of my own family. God is teaching me so much 
through being a parent. Doesn't God do that? <laughs> Teaches you so many lessons. And I, wanna, I just want to exemplify that here in an illustration. Um, my son and I, really all my children, have begun to do Bible stories at night more regularly. And I've begun to do this new thing after the story and after the prayer with them to show them that we have peace, that I love them, that they're no matter what, my son or daughter. And so I've been sitting down with them. I'll just take my son Josiah as an example because I think he's right there sitting in the back still or something. <laughs> and what we do at night is we sit down on his bed together and we'll go through a story and we'll pray. And I'll, I've begun to say this with him. Josiah, does daddy love you when you do good things? He says, yes. I said, Josiah, does daddy love you when you do bad things? He says, yes. And I say, Josiah, who else loves you like that? He says, Mommy. <laughs> I say, yes, that's right. Who else loves you like that, Josiah? And he's like, and I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, God. God loves me like that. <laughs> yes, God loves you like that. We have peace with God, our Heavenly Father. You see, understanding our position is key. Verse 2 says, We have obtained access through him by faith into the grace in which we stand. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have access by faith through grace. We have access to God. Have you ever forgotten your password on anything electronically and then wanted to chuck something across the room? I'll admit to it, okay? Anyone else? Yeah, this guy right here. <laughs> he forgot his password. When you forget your password, it's so frustrating because you lose access to what you should have access to or what you want to have access to. Here's what our, the Bible is saying. Here's what the Word of God is saying. Because of grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we always have access to God. Grace is not circumstantial. It's not dictated by the way our lives are going. You see, I once believed this lie in these last few years that if I had affliction in my life, that meant that I could not have hope. And then it was like the opposite. If I had hope, if I had a good day, a hopeful day, I believed I couldn't have affliction. It had to be void of affliction, right? No, but what God is saying here, he's correcting that lie for us, that when we're afflicted, when we have trials, we can have hope at the same time. Affliction can prove itself eventually in hope. We stand in this position. It's a position of confidence. We boast, the word says here, in the hope of the glory of God. This boasting is not like the bad, selfish sense of boasting. It is a boastful confidence. It is triumph. It is rejoicing. It is loud, in-your-face confidence that you have this access to God and that we can have hope and affliction. Understanding our position is key. Understanding our position of hope is key. Um, did you know I, in high school, used to be on the basketball team? And I say I used to be on the basketball team rather than playing basketball because those are kind of different things, all right? <laughs> Meaning that I sat on the bench a lot on the basketball team because it got me out of class, all right? And I was homeschooled, so go figure, right? So uh, position is key in basketball, right? Now, when I did go into the game at the end of the game, I remember playing this team that we'd play a lot, okay? And they had a player on this team. His name was Sung Min. Okay, you know where this is going, a little bit, maybe a little bit about his background. So we're getting out and we're playing this team, and I noticed something about Sung Min. I'd get in position, and he'd dribble the ball down the court, and I noticed that every time he would look one direction and hold the ball, right? And then he'd look the other direction, and then he'd immediately pass. Every single time. Every time. And so I remember one game, he's dribbling down the court, and I position myself for success, right, to steal the ball. 
And he's coming down, and he stops, looks one way, looks the other way, extend those hands, and right when he extends those hands, I bolt, and I'm off. And I steal that ball, and the crowd goes crazy, <laughs> okay? And this is, like, really big for me. I'm, like, still jacked about it, like, 20 years later, okay? <laughs> so um, that tells you how bad it was. Anyway, so I'm bolting down the court, right? And I go up for a layup, and all of a sudden, I notice two arms come around me, and it's Sung Min, and he tackles me to the ground right as I'm about to make the layup. The ball goes, I don't even know where, right? And I'm tackled to the ground by this guy. I'm like, dude, wrong sport. That's football, you know? When affliction comes your way, position yourself in Christ so that you can steal what affliction intends to steal from you. Know your position in Christ. Now, you may say, I know my position in Christ. That's great. I've read my Bible. I'm, I'm there. I get that. But so what? That brings me to my second point, which is our pathway to hope. I have the knowledge. What do I do with it? How does crippling affliction, affliction if, you, if you will, become Christ-centered hope? Because let's face it, we have peace with God, but we don't always have peace other places in our life. God's word says, pick it up with me in verse 3, and not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. It begins with boasting in affliction. We're going to break down each one of these words right here. Affliction literally means pressure, like when you're lifting weights. In the case of distress, really we get this word affliction from um, a, a Latin idea, which is when they were threshing wheat, they have all this wheat sitting in this big bowl. They'd have this big timber that goes over the wheat to thresh it, right? And there'd be nails, and there'd be spikes in the wood, and they would hit each kernel and drive the wheat from the chaff through the pressure, right? And just have the chaff fly out. Doesn't life kind of feel like that sometimes, like a constant barrage of affliction and distress? Life can feel like that. Like all these distresses and issues and affliction just weighing down on us minute by minute. And we ought to all pay attention because some of us think we're a pretty strong kernel, so to speak. Like we can take it, you know? And no matter how good the, or strong the weightlifter is, if you will, there's always a bigger weight. There's always too much weight at some point. Affliction or this distress, this pressure eventually works out, fashions the outcome. It produces eventually endurance, which we'll look at next. There's always a bigger weight. No matter, how, no matter how long you've been a Christian or in a relationship with Jesus, there's always, a, there's always something too strong for us, right? This makes me think of back another high school story when I was lifting weights because I was homeschooled, right? And in homeschool, you don't have PE class, so you have to go to the nearest gym and you have to, like, sign up for this free PE class that they give you for free, but you got to go, like, two hours a day, which I did some of that. So anyway, so you go in, and I remember one day I was there all by myself, and up comes this dude, like, super jacked, like, muscles, like, almost as big as Pastor Brad's muscles, just, like, like huge, right? He's been hitting the gym, right? So he's been hitting the gym for the last time. So uh, this guy comes up, right? And he sits down, and he's just, like, super buff, and he starts lifting weights. And I'm kind of watching him, like, out of the corner of my eye, like, scrawny as a beanpole even more than now, right? And so I'm watching him, and I'm watching him add weight on weight, and I'm kind of getting closer, and he's adding more weight, and then pretty soon, I'm standing pretty close to him, watching over my eye, 
And, and, and he's lifting this weight, and I'm noticing that he's not doing super hot. And we're the only two on this floor. And I'm like six feet away. And all of a sudden, he's lifting, going up. And he goes, a little help. And I'm like, what? This is my time to shine. So I go over, and I get underneath, and I lift up. And he says, you got to lift. Can you please lift? I'm like, I am lifting. (laughs) And eventually, he and I work that weight up on the shelf. You see, there's always a bigger weight. God wants to use affliction to help. The faith in God lift that weight. Affliction produces endurance. That's the word we're going to look at next, endurance. This cheerful endurance and ability to withstand pressure. The joy comes from withstanding. Let's shift metaphors here with endurance. I'm going to go away from weightlifting, okay? I could get in trouble there. How about running, all right? My wife is an amazing woman, and she's been running a lot recently. I'm so proud of her because she's built this endurance in running. She'd run like for 15 minutes, come back and say, I never stopped once. I'd be like, yeah, awesome, dear. You're really great. And now she's up to two miles. And she's just doing awesome. So I decided last week, after not running at all, to run three miles. (laughs) And I hurt afterward. My wife is jumping up and down because she's been enduring. She's been faithfully standing up under the affliction of running, right? And she's doing great. And I'm like, my legs are going to fall off, okay? So where are you? When affliction comes, are you enduring? Are you obeying God through time and producing Christ-like maturity in your life? Affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. That's what the verse says next, proven character. You don't have to look to others for approval. That's the beauty that I saw in this verse here, that if someone's questioning your character, and they may, can you relate to that? Sometimes when people question our character, and maybe they're right or maybe they're wrong, but really either way, it kind of bruises us um, in any case, right? We don't have to look to others for approval. God can approve us. God approves our character. Here, seen in these verses. Maybe you feel like you're seeking approval. I know that's something I've struggled with in my life. Maybe you're sitting here as a mother or father or husband or wife or son or daughter or student or employee and looking to someone for validation, looking to someone for, to have a, them approve your character. Maybe we walk into church like this sometimes. And we walk into church with a mindset, not of worship, but perhaps it's like a look at me attitude. And we uh, have these different emotions because we're concerned people are going to look at us and think, XYZ about us, right? Instead of coming into church with a look at me attitude, how about we come into church with a look at God attitude? That's what God wants us to see and do here. That the decrees of God, his decree of character here is very big and people's opinions can be very small. So let's be together a body of believers that says look to, look at God whenever we gather together. Look to God. God gives approval here through his word. Affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. We can have hope in the midst of affliction. And understanding our pathway from affliction to hope is extremely important. The pathway is important. The map is important. All right, I have actually been to the top of the highest point in the lower 48 states. You know where that is? Mount Whitney, right? 
And me and some friends took a a 45-mile hike behind Mount Whitney, and some did that last day. But something happened in that journey when we had our maps, and and we we were going on our way, and all of a sudden snow came up above treeline, right? And it's snowing, and then snow goes over the path. And I'm with a few of my friends, and they're like, hey, let's keep following this pathway. And let's try to, like, kind of just, I know it's snowing and hard to see, but let's just kind of keep on as our map saying. And I'm like, no, I got a better idea. How about, it looks like this would be a good way to go, so let's, I know the map says differently, but let's go a different way. And I take us a different way. And as we're walking along, I kid you not, on Mount Whitney, where there's no ambulance or anything, right, I step, and I misstep, and I step back, and I look down, and, like, 40, 50 foot drop, like right in front of me. Snow trickles down these 40, 50 feet and hits. It was like a movie, okay? And uh, one of the gals, like, that I'm walking, she's like, I told you we should have stuck to the map. I'm like, okay, we'll stick to the map. We'll stick to the map. And so we go back to the pathway that's already carved out for us. When we feel pressure, when we feel affliction, sometimes we have a desire to go off the map, to go off the pathway that God has given us. We ought to resist that and stick to the pathway of hope here. That afflictions are meant not for us to go our own way, but to produce endurance in us, and that endurance to produce character. So stick to the map. Stick to the pathway here. For me and for you, God's word right there. Don't fall off that snowy cliff. We can have hope in afflictions. So far, we've seen our position of hope, point one, right? Point two is our pathway of hope. Now we're looking at point three, our promise of hope. This is my third point. We can have hope in affliction. Write that down, underline it here in God's word. We can have hope in affliction. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Verse five says this. It says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. This hope, I love how God specifies here in verse 5, this specific hope. You see, the world will offer us certain kinds of hope. We'll be tempted to chase different kinds of hope than what God offers us, but he's he's saying this hope here, it's real and it's God's hope. And this hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because God's love enables us to withstand an affliction. And God's love is poured into our hearts, okay? Poured into our hearts, lavishly. This word poured is, is like a full pour, okay? Like when you're at your favorite um, fast food spot. I won't name any specifically, but it rhymes with Bach Hotel for me. And so I'll stick my, my drink cup underneath, and the soda will come out. And what happens when you get to the top? It kind of like spills over, and you're like, man, and you're like wiping it off. Why not? Your, your cup's full. We're full. The love of God has been poured into our hearts fully by the Holy Spirit. It's satisfying. It's amazing here that in this passage you see each uh, person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God gives us hope through Jesus Christ by faith into grace, and the Holy Spirit's poured this love into our hearts. We can have hope in affliction, Park Church. We can have hope in affliction. Okay, so we know that. We know, you say, Josh, I've, I've been hearing you for like however long I've been up here. I know I can have hope, right? What do I do? What do we do? Here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be people of hope and affliction, and that's our conclusion today. That's our conclusion is that we have 
we, we could be people of hope for people in affliction. And I recognize that God is molding this into our church already, that I can see people reaching out to, to each other and to their neighbors. That we're becoming and we are this church of people, this church for people in affliction. I love how Pastor Brad loves many illustrations, but one illustration I really love is the hospital illustration as a church, right? That we can be like a hospital for hurting and afflicted people. I am the survivor of a hypopneumothorax. You know what that is? No one? Okay, I didn't think so. But what it's called, hypopneumothorax is a collapsed lung, okay? So um, uh, many years ago, like before all the pandemic stuff, I got a collapsed lung, right? And um, I remember I went into the doctor thinking I had bronchitis. And she said, hey, I think you have bronchitis. That's what the doctor told me. And she's like, but I want to send you to get an x-ray just in case. And you know what I didn't do when I first came into the doctor? And she asked me, what's wrong? I didn't say, nothing. I'm good. I'm okay. That would be insane, right? She'd be thinking, well, why are you here then? What has transpired with us where you don't feel comfortable to share what you're sick with? God wants us to be a hospital here, so to speak. He wants us to be a people of hope for people in affliction, for hurting sick people, because we're all hurting and sick people, right? No, I told her what was wrong and what was going on, and she sent me to get an x-ray, and then I saw the x-ray, and it had, like, part of my lung not there, basically, right, because of the picture, and I had this collapsed lung, right? And I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was sick, and I knew I needed help, and I knew where to go. Let's be that kind of church. Let's keep being that kind of church where sick people, people that are afflicted, can come to us for hope because we can identify with them. What does God want us to do? I believe that God wants us to thank him. Thank him for those people who he's used in our life to help us in times of affliction. So if you're looking for like, I need to write down something to do, totally write that down, okay? Thank God. Thank God for those who have helped you and embodied hope towards you, biblically. Next, I think we should ask God. Ask God what he needs to change in you and in me so that we can continue to live this out and live this out in an excelling still still more manner, as Paul says. What does God need to change in me? That's what I'll be praying, and you can be praying too. What does God need to change in us so that we can continue to live that out? So thank God, ask God, and next is reach out to someone. Reach out to someone old. Reach out to someone new, or reach out to both, okay? And in doing so, know what makes them happy. Know what makes them joyful. Know what makes them sad. Know what makes them tick. Be the kind of friend who's asking how they're doing regularly. And then be the kind of friend that eventually doesn't have to ask how they're doing because you know how they're doing. Know what they treasure. Know what's important to them. Know what their hopes and dreams are. And support them in Christ to get to those places according to God's will. Park Church, we can have hope in affliction. God's word is giving us that very fact here. And I praise him for that. Will you pray with me? With every head bowed and eyes closed, I, I just want to acknowledge that some people may be sitting here that, that don't have a relationship with God. And as the band comes up, I want you to feel free to get honest with God right now and say, God, I need you. And, and perhaps for those that don't know him, you can say, God, I, I, I want to know you. And I want to be your child. I want to be your son or daughter, and I want to have hope in my affliction. And when affliction comes, I want to have that confidence. For those people that don't know Jesus, 
You can pray. You can pray, Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again the third day for my sins, according to the scriptures. And you can have confidence, confidence that you are in God's family. And for those of you that are in God's family, just get real honest with God right now. Get real honest and say, God, I may know you, but I may have been living like I don't. And my thoughts have raced, and my fear has run rampant, and I've, let, and I've looked to others for approval and for validation, but I don't want to do that anymore. I want to look to you for approval, for validation, and for hope in my afflictions. God, your word says that you're close to the afflicted, that you hold each tear in your bottle, that you know them and you know them deeply. And though we may fall as your children, you will rise us up again. God, this makes me think of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. It's become very apparent to me that their dependent on you is deep and that, that it's strong and that their hope is ultimately in you and not another country. God, help us, temper us to model them that we not look or curse other governments in an unfair, unbiblical manner when we ought to be first and foremostly looking at you for their hope. So we ask you, Lord, to deliver us. We ask you, Lord, to, to deliver our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Whatever distress they're facing right now at this moment, that you would supernaturally intervene. God, we thank you. It's hard to say, but we thank you for afflictions that produce endurance, and those produce the character you're looking for in us, God, and that that produces hope in us. We thank you, God. And we pray these things in your name, but I just want to encourage you, if you need some time to stay there and get real with God, to stay there and ask for God, to thank him for those people that have embodied hope and ask for him to show you what you need to change today, that you just be able to do that as we continue, as Mark and the band continue to play. In your name we pray. Amen.